Welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 175. I am your host, Noah Rochetta. Take a moment to imagine what is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Can you picture it? Can you recall? Put that image in your mind for a moment, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And now imagine someone comes along, they look at the same thing, and they think out loud, wow, that's so ugly. It's true that it's beautiful, and it's also true that it's ugly. Both are true, but how can that be? Today I'm going to share my thoughts about the Buddhist teaching of the two truths. As always, keep in mind you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learn to simply be a better whatever you already are. So jumping right in, what is truth? In Buddhist teachings, you'll encounter the concept of the two truths. The teaching of the two truths, the exact meaning of this teaching, varies between the various uh, Buddhist schools and traditions, but they are not to be understood as two separate truths, but rather two separate dimensions of a single reality. I like to think of them as two levels of truth, where perhaps one is superficial and the other is more deep, or sometimes I like to think of them in the context of truth, where one is truth with a capital T and the other is truth with a lowercase t. The two truths are often referred to as absolute truth and relative truth, where absolute truth is that capital T truth and relative is the lowercase t. Absolute truth is how things really are, and relative truth is how things seem to be. So that's it. The teaching of the two truths helps us to understand that there is the truth of how things seem to be, and then there's the truth of how things really are. And the important thing to know here is that how things seem to be will always be dependent on our perception and on how we perceive. For example, if I were to wear yellow-tinted sunglasses, I would see everything with a, with a yellow tint. That's how things would seem to be, right? But it's not an indicator of how things really are. We misunderstand the nature of reality when we make the assumption that how things seem to be is indeed how things really are. That's what is sometimes referred to as the great misunderstanding. And the goal of the teaching of the two truths is to become aware of our misunderstanding and to become less attached to our perceptions as indicators of absolute truth. In other words, if I see yellow, instead of trying to understand or make sense of why the world is so yellow, I can focus inward and ask myself, why is it that I see yellow? How is it that I see? Understanding how is more skillful than trying to understand what it is that I perceive. And through the process of introspection and getting to know the how, I may conclude that, oh, the world looks yellow because I'm wearing yellow tinted lenses. So, relative truth... We live in a world of relative truths. These are the truths that emerge not based on how things really are, but based on how things seem to be. They are based on perception. And the process of perception begins with our senses. 
From the Buddhist perspective, we have six key sense organs that are responsible for what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, and think or perceive. And the organs that correspond to these are the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. Everything we perceive is based on the current configuration of our sense organs. The important thing to know here is that we all have unique configurations that will give rise to unique interpretations of what we perceive and how we go about uh, experiencing life. This is why we can look at the same thing and some will see beauty and some will see ugliness. This is why some can smell the same thing and some will like the smell and some will hate the smell. This is why you can taste food and some will say this is good and others will say no, this tastes bad. This is why in the same circumstances someone may feel cold and someone else will say no, it feels a little bit warm. And think about this not just in the context among humans, but among life forms. Think of a polar bear compared to an alligator and both trying to uh, decide if it's warm or if it's cold. And then finally, we get to the incredibly complex sense organ that we call the mind. And this is where someone will think or believe one thing and another will think or believe an entirely different thing. And for both, the perceptions feel like indisputable and undeniable truths. And that's how relative truths work. They are true. For me, it's true that some things taste good and other things taste bad. It's true that some things look beautiful and other things don't. It's true that some temperatures to me feel cold and others feel hot. And it's also true that some of the beliefs uh, that I hold feel like they are true and others don't feel like they're true. But I recognize that these truths are relative. They're relative to how I perceive. And how I perceive is determined by how my sense organs are configured. And not only how my sense organs are configured, but also where I stand in terms of space and time. It would be a fundamental misunderstanding for me to assume that how things seem to be for me is indeed how things really are. And for me, this is why I always try to emphasize the expression for me. I'll say, Something like, for me, this doesn't smell good, or for me, this particular belief doesn't seem to make much sense, or for me, uh, scrambled eggs taste better when I put hot sauce on them. It's a way that I deliberately try to remind myself of this teaching of the two truths, and to remind myself that the vast majority of the truths for me are relative truths, and that's not to say that just because I perceive it that way is indeed how things really are. I recognize that my reality and what I perceive has to be uh, true mostly because of how I see and not really with how things actually are. One of the teachings in Buddhism that alludes to this notion is the teaching of the blind man and the elephant. And you'll, if you'll recall, this is the teaching about the relationship between relative and absolute truth. And in this teaching, you have several people at different uh, positions around the elephant trying to describe it. And they're all blind in the story. So there's one sense organ that's factored out. So they're using the other sense organs to try to describe something 
that cannot be seen in this case. It cannot be seen because it cannot be perceived. And sometimes I think we listen to this story and we think, well, okay, well, they didn't get the whole picture, but I do because I have seen a, a full, uh, you know, I know what an elephant looks like. So I can understand that they were limited in their description of reality, but I'm not. I actually can perceive what the whole elephant is like. But that's not the point of that teaching. The point of that teaching, or the key takeaway of that, is that none of them are actually wrong in their description of reality, but also none of them have the complete understanding because it's impossible to have the complete or absolute understanding of reality. In this case, because they're missing some of the sense organs, but also because they're limited, we are limited with how we perceive based on our um, the configuration of our sense organs, but also our position in space and time. And that's why the person standing at the tail of the elephant will describe it one way, while the person standing at the front or at the side will describe it an entirely different way. I recognize that I can perceive things from here, and you can perceive things from there, but you're not here and I'm not there. I can perceive things as they are right now, but that might not be how things were in the past or how things will be in the future. In the past, for example, I would say mushrooms taste bad, but in the present I would say mushrooms taste good, and both of those statements are true. Relative truths can be right, they can be wrong, they can be both right and wrong, and they can be neither right nor wrong. And I think that's wild to think about, isn't it? And that also means that some of you will be listening to this right now and maybe thinking, wow, this concept of the two truths really makes sense to me. Others might be listening and thinking, this sounds like nonsense. And uh, what, what is this? What is this person even talking about? And both of those thoughts are correct, and they're both also incorrect. They're both true, because it's relative truth we're talking about. And again, not only is this the case with relative truths among uh, the various human interpretations of reality, but this is also happening across various life forms. It's interesting to know that turtles, for example, certain turtles can sense magnetic fields. Uh, the white-crowned sparrow has the ability to sense whether their food has or doesn't have the nutrients that their body needs. Wouldn't that be a nice one to have? There are some beetles that can sense infrared radiation. Human eyes, for example, can't see infrared, but some animals can. So here we have this dilemma where the picture of reality uh, and, and what you would define as truth is uh, subjective. It's subjective to how you can sense. I can only sense the way that I sense based on the sense organs that I have and, and how they work. So an important thing to know with that is if I were to smell something and then I interpret this smells good or or this smells bad, I can't help it. It's not like I'm willing myself to um you know to to decide this this smells good or this smells bad. It's almost an experience that's happening to me. And if this is true with all of our senses and all of our perceptions, why is it that we have such a strong sense at times that um that it's us doing you know, doing this process rather than this process being something that's happening to us. So let's look at another example. Let's look at a tree. 
A tree is made up of many parts. It has the trunk and the leaves and the branches and the roots. And sometimes trees have fruit. And how do we know that? That it has all these parts? Because humans are meaning-making machines. And we love to separate and label things. We look at things through that lens of separateness. Oh, here's this. Oh, here's that. This is separate than that. And therefore, humans have created these definitions because it's useful to do it. And it's just what the human mind does. Um, like I said, my nose smells things whether I want it to or not. When I eat something, my taste buds will experience a sensation of yummy or gross or neutral, whether I want them to or not. My mind will take what I see, take what I perceive. It will separate things into groups, this and that. I I see the separateness of the branches and the leaves, whether I want to or not. It's just the way that I perceive. It's the way humans perceive. But remember, how we see things and how things really are, are two different levels of truth or reality. The moment we see and perceive that a branch is a branch and that the leaves are leaves and that the leaves are not branches, we create a relative reality within the absolute reality. And it's this new reality of how things seem to be, not the one of how things really are, that we tend to live in. We're living in that relative reality. So we see the leaves as separate from the trunk and so on. And this becomes even more easy to do if you uh, factor in space and time. Because now you have the leaves that were on the tree, but because of the time of year, those leaves have now fallen from the tree so now I look at the ground and I see leaves on the ground and now these are separate, completely separate from the tree. They're independent of the tree at this point. And once those leaves decay, and now I, I'm looking at mold or soil or, or carbon dioxide that's back in the atmosphere, I perceive these things to be separate of that tree, independent of that tree. And I no longer see tree. And what's interesting is even what I call tree the tree itself is a relative truth. What I look at and call it a tree, a termite might look at and just think, no, that's food or that's home. Uh, the earth might look at it and say, no, this is a growth on my skin. You know, reality is determined by perception and how we perceive is determined by space and time and also the configuration and capabilities of our sense organs. And this ends up giving us at the, end of the, at the end of the day, a very incomplete picture of reality, just like the blind men and the elephant, uh, an incomplete and incomprehensible picture of how things really are. Now let's go a little bit further with this. If a, if a tree branch falls from the tree, we, or, or we cut it off from the tree, we can take that and we can carve it into um, something that we're going to use to assist us with walking. Well, what do we call that? Well, now let's call this a staff. And here we have yet again another relative truth. And this would be the truth of the staff. Uh, is it something that's used for walking? Yes, that's the point of the staff. And while it is true that this wooden thing that I'm holding is a staff, it's important to recognize that that is a relative truth because it's the truth of how it appears and the label and meaning that I've given it will help determine how it appears to me. Uh, someone called this a staff, and now I have a staff. And the staff has uh, seems as a separate and independent thing. A staff is not a branch. A staff is not a tree. 
It's just what a staff is a staff, and that is the relative truth. And most people at that point no longer see the tree, because all they see is the staff. And then again, we add relative truths to the staff by uh, describing it. We can call it a long staff, we can call it a short staff. Those are also relative truths. So I'll sidetrack here for a moment and bring in the topic of the Zen koans again. If you'll recall, what is a koan? A koan is a story, a dialogue, a question, or a statement which is used in Zen practice to provoke what is called great doubt. And here's the, a quote by Hakuin, who says, quote, At the bottom of great doubt lies great awakening. If you doubt fully, you will awaken fully. Close quote. So what is it that we awaken to through these riddles, through these questions, through these stories? I think perhaps it's simply that we wake up to the recognition that the world as we perceive it is not the world as it really is. And here is one of those koans. Uh, Shuzan held out his short staff and said, If you call this a short staff, you oppose its reality. If you do not call it a short staff, you ignore the fact. Now what do you wish to call this? Close quote. So that is one of those riddles where you're left, in this case, with a staff. And, and what do you call it? Well, to, again, to me, the teaching of the two truths allows me to call it a staff. I can even call it a short staff. But I'm not going to attach myself to that reality because I know that it's a relative truth. The short staff is only short in relationship to another uh, longer one next to it. The, the short staff could immediately become a long staff if it was placed to, next to another even shorter staff. And then, of course, the whole notion of the staff itself. Again, it's a relative truth. The world, as we perceive it, will always be a subjective reality, a reality that is relative to our unique perspective in space and time, and also unique to our current configuration. Everything that I perceive is based on my configuration. And this is an important thing for me to know about myself. Uh, ordinary human life is always attached to the relative. We can't help but to perceive as we currently perceive. And therefore, the goal isn't to stop or alter our perceptions. The goal is simply to not be so attached to them. The essence of the Buddha's teaching is non-attachment. And I like to think about this in the context of attachment to truths that seem to be absolute when in reality they are relative. And for me, I'm talking about thoughts and emotions. A thought arises, and I take that thought to be true. Then, when I believe that the thought is true, it gives rise to feelings and emotions around that thought. And those feelings and emotions feel like the absolute truth of how things are, instead of just how things seem to be. If I have the thought, for example, I'm not good enough, I'm not, a, I'm not good enough, uh, that's a thought that has causes and conditions that give, that give rise to that thought. And the problem is not the thought itself. The problem is believing that thought to be true, and even worse, thinking that that is an absolute truth, and then especially believing it to be uh, absolute rather than relative. So that, for me, is the understanding of relative truths. 
So then when we talk about absolute truth, well, how how are things in reality? We know through uh, contemplation and through observation that things are impermanent and things are interdependent. And for me, the essence of this entire teaching is that we, as humans, perceive the world in a way, in a certain way, and our perception is incomplete. So going back to the teaching of the blind men and the elephant, what I extract from that teaching for me personally is that every single aspect of reality, of my perceived reality, is always going to fall short of what it actually is. And rather than focusing so much of my time and energy trying to figure out reality and what is true, I think it's more skillful to spend time looking inward and to try to understand how. How is it that I perceive reality? Am I looking through colored lenses, tinted lenses, that make the world seem a certain way when in reality it is not that way? That to me is a very skillful question to be asking. To focus on how we perceive rather than what it is that we perceive. And ultimately this becomes a practice of non-attachment because it allows me to continue going through life experiencing things the way that I do, but in a non-attached way where I can, I can always remember that um, the way things seem to me is not the way things actually are. And it's very simple for me to wrap my head around this notion, not thinking that, hmm, maybe I, maybe I have a more accurate picture than you. It's, it's not that. For me, uh, or, or someone else has one that's more accurate than me, for me it's simply recognize I cannot have the big, clear, accurate picture of reality. I can't. I can't look into the night sky and see what it is to look at the universe through infrared. I don't have that uh, the ability to sense that way. There are so many senses that I just don't have, like the turtles and the magnetic field and all of that. I mean, imagine all the other possible combinations that we just don't have, that we can't even imagine. We can't even fathom these other ways of sensing because it wouldn't occur to us that it's even a possibility. That would be getting more in line with understanding absolute truth. So what that leaves me with, again, me personally and my experience is, well, I live in a world of relative truths, and almost everything I perceive is a relative truth. And perhaps every now and then I can get a glimpse at the larger reality of how things are, but I can't describe it. Because the moment the moment you do, the moment you try, uh, you make it relative. Because again, it's relative based on how I'm experiencing it. So that to me is just a fascinating thought. And it leaves me feeling a sense of um, peace, I guess, a relaxation. I don't have to figure it out because I know that I can't. Uh, what I can do is be skillful in the world of relative truths. That's the world that I live in. And to not be so attached to what feels like uh, a truth to me, because most likely it's a relative truth. So that is the invitation to consider these concepts of the two truths, the relative truth and the absolute truth, the truth of how things seem to be versus how things actually are, and to remember that we are the blind person trying to describe the elephant. Whatever description we come up with 
is always going to be uh, falling short of what actually is. Because anything I can conjure up in my interpretation or description of reality will always be according to things as they seem to me, not things as they actually are. Because I don't have the ability or the sense organs to be able to go into that realm of the level of truth. So, um, all right. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about this teaching of relative and absolute truth. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about these ideas, you can always check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, available on Amazon, or listen to the first five episodes of the podcast. Also, if you're looking for a community to practice with, to interact with, to continue discussing these topics that come up in the podcast, consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron. And you can do that by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the link there to join our community. All right, that's all I have for this episode, but I look forward to sharing more thoughts in another future episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time.